So hi folks, hello once again and you're very welcome along to another program, to another edition of Down Your Way. Well, you know, we have a very special guest on this week's program, the former teacher, a historian of North in County Tipperary, Danny Grace. You're very welcome to Down Your Way. Thank you, Eamon. I'm delighted. It's a real pleasure to have you with us on the program. In fact, I've made several attempts in the past uh, couple of months to get to you, but finally got you. Terrific. Oh yeah, that's probably because I'm living in an isolated place, is it? <laughs> Not really, no, no. Generally my fault between one thing and another. But Danny, apart from everything else, uh, look at you're a historian, you're a journalist, and you have several books to your name. Natural, yeah. You must be really proud of all of this. Sure, I suppose I am really, but I, when you're doing things, I don't think you're thinking that in that way really about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, of course, you know, one thing leads into another. One thing, yeah, yeah. You have some, you have something completed, and it's almost out of sight, out of mind. You yeah, move on yeah. to something different then. Mm-hmm. But of course, you started off being a teacher, and you're teaching down in Nina Secondary School. I, I was, well. I, I was about thirty-eight years there, in fact, yeah, and yeah. I was the deputy principal in the latter years there. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, the difference between teaching and journalism, can you compare? Them? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider myself a journalist. Well, be careful of that one. No, I wouldn't really consider myself a journalist. I mean, uh, for for two reasons, and I tell you, uh, I actually admire journalists in this sense, uh, and I'm particularly friendly, say, with Simon O'Duffy, who was involved in in, in the book there at Games of the Past with me, mm-hmm. that they can turn out and churn out stuff very fast. Mm-hmm. I'm actually quite slow. Yeah. And I think, I suppose that's the historian, really, that I like to check and double-check, etc. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you um, have a deadline of next week's newspaper, you haven't time to, uh, to, to be checking everything, you know, and, and to take in your time. So what was your favourite subjects in school? Um, funny enough, when it, do you mean when I was yeah, teaching or when I was going yeah. to school? Well, both. Well, uh, well I, I taught English and history. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in in latter years, all mm-hmm. English and history, I suppose. Uh, mm-hmm. In the earlier days, you taught anything you were asked to teach. Mm-hmm. So I tried my hand at a lot of things like geography, I suppose, everything, you know. Mm-hmm. But those were the days that you just told, this is the timetable, go ahead. You're, you're quite capable of teaching it for a first year or second year class, so just yeah. go ahead and do it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were, they were good days, I suppose, as well. But They were, they were different days. How important... Is my own place to you, Danny? Uh, it's very important. I'd say very proud of, I suppose, of this parish, of this, uh, you know, Kildangan. Although I like to call it the, the old name, which is Munsee Parish, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I mean, we were born here, we were reared here, and I suppose, even though I've been away from it from time to time, it's still home. So, Absolutely. home is home is in the heart, where the heart is. And of course, Pocan is in the centre of all of this. Pocan is in the centre, yes. And I mean, I went to school in Pocan and. Uh, I'm still actually involved in a small way as chairman of the board of management of, of Pecan Kildangan National yeah. School, so that's still connected to some degree with the place. You have um, county Wakefield County Manager there, haven't you? Uh, in, in, in oh, we, we have. Yeah, Dara Dara Egan. Dara, Dara Egan, of course yeah. is the Dara is the um, the principal in Pecan. Yeah, that's a great contribution into Prairie as well, and all the rest. Yeah, of, and, and a great contribution in the school in Kildangan as well, if I may say so. Absolutely, we were supposed to come uh, last year because due to COVID, we weren't able to come for a, for a Christmas edition. But yeah, maybe this year. Yeah, exactly, uh, we will be always welcome. Yeah, uh, Danny. Yeah, there's lots of stories and lots of places we could start ab- about about Kildangan and what it means to you and all of that. Uh, you know what I mean? Like versus uh, other parishes and communities. You learn a lot from other parishes as well. 
Uh, of course you do. I mean, you know, you have to look at it in a broader sense as well. I mean, and I think the, 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 the broader your view is, the more you appreciate, I think, your own place as well. Mm-hmm. As I say, you know, travel, to say, broadens the mind. It does, mm-hmm. in, in a sense. But also, I think, it gives you a, a better appreciation of what you have mm-hmm. and your own area, your own place as well. What was uh, your earlier thoughts uh, when you retired from school? What were you going to do when, when retirement came along? When I retired, uh, take it easy for a month. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, my first one. <laughs> uh, continue to play a bit of tennis, yeah, uh, follow Kildang and, yeah. and write a bit more history than I would have been doing because yeah. one didn't really have the time to research to the same degree, you know, because when you were in school. Yeah, okay, yeah. And particularly in the latter years when I was deputy principal, I mean, previously I mean you tend to have the summers off but not the summers when you were deputy principal because timetables had to be done in various different works and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. most of the last few years of the summers before I retired were spent inside the school Yeah, but in communities like like, like Kildangan or wherever, wherever Lockmore or wherever parts of the county you're talking about mm-hmm. you always have someone standing out that can take up the pieces and grasp them and research them and deliver <laughs> we hope so, yeah. I, I was delighted actually when I was asked to do, uh, say, the, the um, history of Kildangan. Mm-hmm. There were a hundred years in existence. Uh, interestingly, of course, they have one. Uh, this was completed. The, the club was founded in, 19, in uh, yeah, nineteen fifteen, and um, the centenary history, which I was delighted to, to have done um, in two thousand and. 2015. Since I wrote that in, in uh, 2015, they had more, far more success than they ever had. Yeah, yeah, they went to left at the county final a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, 2020. Year. And that was, uh, that, was a, that was a huge thing. I remember uh, actually, was it 2006 or seven? they won the All Ireland Intermediate Final? 2004, 2004, 2004, 5, that was, yeah, the All Ireland Intermediate. That was a great day as well. Yeah, I remember great... up doing the show on the, at the night of the homecoming of the team. Oh yeah, down in Pocahontas. Yeah, down in Pocahontas yeah. and Kennedy's. That was it. Not, not Kennedy's. The pub. Kennedy's, the pub, and and, and McGrath's. Yeah, yeah. To, the the uh, team would have been assembled yeah. in McGrath's. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a memorable homecoming. I can tell you. <laughs> it, was, it was. It was. Just the biggest thing they had ever won up to that stage. Yeah. I, yeah. I suppose the the county final in two thousand and twenty senior county final is a bigger thing, really. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. As, as you say, since you wrote all of this, because you want one of the great players on, uh, of our time, Seamus Hogan, involved in those in those years. Seamus, yeah. Seamus was in the All-Ireland winning team in 1971, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was centre-field, I think, at the time, around there. Centre-field, I'd yeah, say, yeah, 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 Take me through the earlier years, uh, probably 18, what, 84, 87? Oh, no, Kildangan GA Club was only founded in uh, 1915. But of course, it was by no means the first uh, club in the parish. Mm. Um, the earliest club actually in the parish, we'd like to know, was Nye, where we are here now. Okay. But of course, in, in those days as well, there was no parish rule or anything, so mm-hmm. players could come from anywhere. So yeah. Nye was the first one. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And indeed, uh, uh, you know, the club. And then, like every other club, they had to train as much as the Tommy Vars or the Killer Ones, you know? Yeah. And uh, it cost them so much to train as well and all the rest. So you still had a huge expense, even though there may not be many cups on the mantelpiece. That's the thing, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Really, at the end of the day, all of those uh, books and all of those stories, they have a legacy. And the legacy of the past. 
Mm. And people kind of look to, look to that legacy for inspiration at times. You know, when, when, they, when, they, when they need, look back and some of what, what, what our forefathers did and how they trained and how they played on the field and on the field of play. And yeah, and how they lived. Yeah, and how they lived as I well. I suppose, yeah. yeah, more, yeah. More, more importantly, I suppose why sports is important is only a small aspect of life really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Then there was a social aspect to it as well. Oh, yeah. The social side of that history. I'm talking to Danny Grace, historian, retired teacher. Absolutely to present to be in his house. What a great story. We're back just after these. Indeed, you're very welcome back to Down Your Way. I'm with Danny Grace in his kitchen this week. Uh, Danny, uh, it, it's brilliant uh, to talk about uh, about books and stories, but how did you get into this local history and this local folklore? Funny enough, uh, you mentioned there, going to secondary school. I did history, actually, in secondary school, and I wasn't particularly interested in it, to be quite honest, but it was just mm-hmm. another subject. And then I went to university, and I actually loved history. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny again, funny enough. I, I I thought I'd be more interested in English. I did English and history mm-hmm. at university, but I think I sort of fell in love more with history. Now, I told this story before, and I, I, I just repeated that I knew more about the, um, the origins of the First World War and things like that than I knew about my own place, mm-hmm. and. There's one moment I would pick out, and, I, and I, as I said, I related this before, that I was in the library in um, UCD, and it was an open shelf library, and I came across a book that I never had heard of before at that stage, and written by a man I never had heard of either, and that's The Last Lords of Ormond by Dermot Leeson. And I took it out, and I spent the entire afternoon reading it, and I, sort of, I was amazed to find that Places I knew, like Nye Castle, which is just down the road, uh, all these places were mentioned in it. And I think that's the thing that stimulated me to begin with mm-hmm. in, in local history. Mm-hmm. Later on, this, that's 1977, I was actually uh, one of the founders of the Ormond Historical Society and I was first president of the Ormond Historical Society as well. So I suppose that gave me a further stimulus then mm-hmm. uh, to be involved in local history. And really, I've been involved in the Armed Historical Society ever since. Lovely. You know, when you get into an organisation, it's more difficult to get out of yeah. than to get into. So do you have, up here in, in Kiladangan and Pukawan area, do you have historical journals, or are you the historical man that does it all for them? Uh, no, there's, there's historical journals in, in many parts now, yeah. but there's not, one, there's not one in this parish. There's no need for one. <laughs> <laughs> well, there would be, you know. It's quite interesting when they have a, a very nice one now in Portrow and they have one in Laura and they have one in, in Monegal and mm-hmm. they have, you know, historical journals in, in many places. And it's great to see because I think there's probably a greater interest in local history now than mm-hmm. at any time in the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I have some great admiration. A man I mentioned there, Dermot Leeson, mm-hmm. he was writing in the 1930s when really I'd say there wasn't any terrible great interest in local history. Mm-hmm. But now it's totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. to, to explain that is, is difficult. I think as the world has got larger mm-hmm. and uh, we're... Inter- people have become more interested in what's around them, immediately around them. Yeah, I know back home in Borland, Douala area, yeah. they're on the 25th historical journal this year. 
Dier, yeah. Yeah, and that's a great success story. Yeah, and yeah. Penny, Paddy, the late Paddy O'Dwyer. Yeah, yeah. excellent. I, I knew Paddy, yeah. a gentleman, Absolutely. a thorough gentleman. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. The sad passing of him uh, last year was... Uh, he was, yeah, he'd be a great loss. Yeah, yeah, a great loss. Um, yeah, and like, uh, as you say, the historical journalist. So then your articles and your books, then you have to write a book. How do you start off to write a book, or what tempted you? That, look, there's a book in this type of thing. Yeah. Well, the first thing you have to do is do the research. Yeah. And now, take that one, say, for instance. Now, I, I would consider that a pretty scholarly book. Like, you know, that that's yeah. the great family in the poor uh, union. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, I suppose, you know, should I say that even, there's nearly two types of history in one way. There can be pretty scholarly history. Yeah. And then, on the other hand, there can be... Layman's history. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that, that might be slightly insulting to call it layman's history. But, but more journalistic, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Because I think when you're doing it, you always have to realise that not everybody is as interested as you are. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are people who are only mildly interested. Mm-hmm. And you have to try and appeal to them as well and yeah. try to bring them along. And that's how the type of thing that I would do, say, for instance, like in the glimpses of the past, Mm-hmm. That one, which is the, really um, a selection of the articles which I do in the Nina Gergen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've up to, at the moment, I think I'm up to 90 or to 73. Article, so, every week or every uh, month. No, I don't. I, 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 I'm not a regular. Yeah. I, I do them periodically. Okay, okay. And that's good, of course, as well, and, uh, and, and dig. But uh, yeah, the glimpses of, of, of the past, yeah. just a magnificent. Is that still available? That's only launched last year. Oh, that's all. There's still copies available. And the Nina Gargan, of course, is very close to you and its family. It is, actually. And, you know, it is a a great institution, really. I mean, when you think of it, it has been in existence now, what, 184 years. Mm -hmm. The first edition is in 1838. And uh, it has witnessed many, many changes in Ireland and in the world. And it has faithfully reported all of those over the years and over the centuries. Yeah, and the same family? No, no. Uh, no. The, the, the history of the Gergen, if we just say for a minute, is an interesting one. It was started in 1838. It was started by a John Kempston, who actually came from Clonmel. He had a newspaper in Clonmel called the Clonmel Advertiser. Now, he left Clonmel, uh, I think, for two reasons. Number one, he was subject to a terrible... Uh, costly libel case and really was being forced out of business and secondly there was no newspaper whatsoever in Nina at the time so it's sort of just virgin side as it were then mm-hmm. Nina mm-hmm. and uh, so obviously there's no opening for it now the paper has an interesting sort of a history as well it was a conservative Protestant newspaper in the, its early years okay. yeah very very much and, and then the Kempstons then sold out later to a family called Priors and then in 1916, the prior um, connection with the newspaper ended as well, and it was brought by, bought by a number of local nationalists, we call them, I suppose. And mm. so the present ownership was involved in the 1916 purchase as Absolutely. well. Yeah, yeah I, met, uh, I met the CEO of a re- quite recently, uh, Brendan, isn't it? Um, David. David David Ryan, David yeah. Ryan, yeah. yeah. And, uh, quite a nice yeah. It's, it's one of the few, shall we say, family, family private owned newspapers, which yeah. is great, like, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Look, when I'm looking at glimpses of the past and all of that, I just picked up a page and I opened it. Yeah. I know you want to tell me the story of the row with the priest. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> tell me, what was that about? The row with the priest. Oh, yeah. Uh, I suppose you could call it. 
almost a sex scandal. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was, it was in its own way a sex scandal. There was an, a, a very prominent Nina solicitor, John Egan Grace. He might actually be re- partly related to myself. Okay. I think he probably would because, in fact, he did come from Munsee, definitely uh, Ballycommon. Okay? And uh, he was a married man with children and he had a woman on the side. So, at Mass in Nina, the, this was 1838, by the way, um, the curate made certain denouncements from the author. Now, he didn't mention him by name, but at the same time, the whole, as, as, as I said in, in, in the article, the dogs at the Market Cross in Nina knew who he was talking about. Okay. So, now, it was you or I, probably... So how was he describing things? How did he describe it from the author? Uh, well, he was literally saying, you know, about living in sin and so forth, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and and denouncing it. Mm-hmm. And also, of course, there was more more to it than that because, according to John Egan Grace, actually, now I should say, if just you or I, I was just thinking, we'd probably hang our head in shame and go away, mm-hmm. but not John Egan Grace. He had a a letter next day condemning the priest an, a next edition of the Gergen condemning the priest in no uncertain terms oh no uncertain terms did the priest come back and make an apology he didn't oh no 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 um, literally in fact oh he called him he literally called the priest all sorts of a thing and he made allegations like you know that the girl he, firstly he made out that uh, the priest went and beat up the girl and her mother which I don't know was it true or not secondly he actually um said he what he referred to him as an immigrant from Waterford. Now, which was actually a sort of a below the belt one in a way because the uh, the priest actually in question, uh, Father Power, had actually come from Waterford, okay, into the diocese of Killaloo. So So how did he know? Well the the the, 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 the priest the following week, uh, Father Power had a letter refuting all the allegations as well. Oh yes, sorry, one allegation he made as well was that uh, the girl, when actually um, she'd be going to church, that the priest would be sort of eyeing her up. Yeah. No, but the priest actually um, had, had a rejoinder the following week against him letter, and basically the first thing he said was that those actually whom the gods wanted to strike to make mad. He was more or less suggesting that Johnny Grace must be out of his mind out of there. <laughs> so there was no there was no holes bared. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, he 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 literally, he literally refuted all the allegations. <laughs> so. The, the the newspaper, by the way, I think the Nina Gerd, remember I said earlier on there, Nina Gerd, of course, was a Protestant conservative newspaper who had no great love for, for, for the Catholics anyway. Mm-hmm. So that took a certain delight in it. But uh, after both letters had appeared, though, I think uh, the newspaper editor, the Kempstons, decided they better actually tone this down. So they categorically said there would be no more letters taken on this particular subject. Now, if some of the things that appeared in, in the two letters were to be said today, you'd be up the steps for libel. Would you? Oh, absolutely. And did they all live happily ever after? Uh, they see. <laughs> well, they did because, I tell you, uh, Father Power, who actually was a curate in Nina and was involved in a very, very big controversy because uh, the bishop didn't exactly favour him for reasons which we needn't go into now. But And <clears> there were, the bishop yeah. was wrong. Bishop Kendi was a tough man mm-hmm. at the time and he was actually going to... He was literally being overlooked. Mm-hmm. And um, so 
the people actually of Nina who Father Power was very popular with them altogether. So what actually he did they did was they closed the church doors. So this is the closing of the chapel in 1849. They literally barricaded the chapel door and wouldn't allow the new parish priest in. No, but he had a number of children by her. It didn't It didn't end there and then because the parish register showed that in fact he subsequently had a number of, of children with this, this, this particular Denny, girl as well. Good story. I'm talking to Denny Grace. He has plenty more stories. We'll be back just after these. <laughs> Indeed, very, you're very welcome back to Down UM with uh, historian uh, Danny Grace. Uh, this evening I'm in his kitchen. Danny, um, yeah, women in life and women in history played a pivotal role as well, and indeed, uh, I suppose that sometimes they're forgotten about. They are, yeah, very, very much uh, forgotten about in history sometimes. And uh, in fact, one of the things I, I was quite conscious of in, in uh, compiling the articles and in compiling the selection of articles as well was that Chumbleton should be about women. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them, interestingly, again, until I started researching her, I knew nothing whatsoever about her, was an Agnes Tracy. She was the daughter of a, a, an RIC man. She was born in, in uh, Grace Street in Nina and went on to a certain amount of fame uh, as a singer. Absolutely. Yeah. So she was a, she was a popular singer. Was she singing... In Tipperary, or was she? Oh no, she was singing. She was singing. In fact, uh, she she filled um, houses, opera houses, and things in okay. in in Manchester and in London okay. and in Glasgow. Okay. And she was very very popular all over Ireland as well. Oh right, and uh, <clears throat> what to say here? According to this, no pretty women ride bicycles. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, what is that about? No pretty women ride bicycles. That one was. I suppose it's a. Uh, it's based on the women's struggle for equality at, at the turn of the 19th century and the, the early, very early years of the, uh, the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Now, it's based around women and cycling. Uh, in the beginning, uh, I mean, cycling was regarded as a men's leisure occupation. Mm-hmm. And uh, women who actually rode bicycles, say, in the 1880s, in the 1870s, but in the 1880s, uh, were regarded as, shall we say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here to put it de- delicately now they're no better than they should be mm-hmm. you know there was yeah. that attitude there mm-hmm. was that attitude mm-hmm. uh, not only condemned by so women cycling was not only condemned by men but also very often by the, 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 their own female sex as well but what was wrong with a woman cycling the bike? Um, well you see there was Male, male prejudice, I suppose, to be quite honest, Bob, was, was the main thing. They had to walk. They did, yeah, but, but yeah. like the idea, the sort of, again, I suppose the thing was, like, you know, they were dressed, uh, you know what I mean, the, the whole idea, Victorian idea of a woman with long dress and everything now, they wore knickerbockers, as it were, like, you know, pants mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. The tight tops and things like that in cycling, and uh, that was regarded as being very disgraceful. They were shown off, shall we say, yeah, a bit yeah. more than they should be shown <clears throat> off, you know. Yeah. My God, in today's world. But interestingly, yeah, but interestingly, they are just... Um, the, um, the there was a, a Nina a cycling club in um, Nina in uh, Lady Cycling Club in eighteen eighty eight, and it appears to have been the very very first women's cycling club in Ireland, mm-hmm. if not one of the earliest actually in the British Isles. Now what did they do? They basically now remember at the time the safety by at this stage they wouldn't have been on safety bicycles. They would be on sort of tricycle type of bicycles. That's a certain oh, one yeah, that they, yeah. they, 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 they rode. Yeah, we'll we'll just go back to the women on the bicycles there for a minute. 
the first bicycle, of course, was your penny hapenny. Your penny hapenny bike, mm-hmm. which of course is quite dangerous as well, mm-hmm. and uh, it was regarded as, of course, being totally unsuitable for women. Mm-hmm. It probably was unsuitable for an awful lot of people as well, mm-hmm. but probably fit young males is probably okay. But like, it was quite difficult actually riding these pe- uh, penny farthing bicycles, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it was when the society, um, what you call them, Sterleys, um bicycle came in safety bicycle in 1885 came in that women took up cycling in a big way yeah okay I'm going to ask you there John or uh, Danny uh, about the famous well that's around here St John's Well oh St John's Well yeah do you know it no oh yeah where is it it's uh, on the road you passed it on the road out that's the easiest thing in the field it's it's near the the, you know the chill meets there uh, there. just before you turn off a pecan it's in a field there if you're coming out from Nina it's in at the right it's in Mm -hmm. about maybe five or six hundred yards in at the right and is that really a holy well or is there a oh it's a holy well and and regarded as a holy well for a long long time Mm. Uh, interestingly the whole thing of holy wells you know that um, even the origins of the holy wells now some people some scholars would think that they, they're pre-Christian mm-hmm. that you know the, the ancient Celts of course like you know they, they were very much into this thing of um, finding spirits in wells and in, and in rivers and everything that was sort of a Celtic tradition and that when St. Patrick and other missionaries came to Ireland then they Christianized these holy wells Okay, okay. And and now did, did any cure that did is there ceremonies around it or no it's the, today. Yeah. Well well ceremonies there were there were ceremonies there in the nineteenth century. But like they say that there were ceremonies the, the ceremonies weren't no, it was religious either. There was massive gatherings there uh, in say in the eighteen thirties and the eighteen forties and eighteen fifties. Um so people, and there would be at the crossroads there, to, and on New Year, on, on John's Eve, there would be a massive dance there as well with a big, big bonfire as well. That's one of the reasons, of course, why the clergy very, very often disapproved of holy wells. Most, most priests, actually, uh, in the 19th century disapproved, particularly the early 19th century, mm-hmm. disapproved of holy wells for that very reason, you know, because what would be going on? Mm-hmm. You know, dancing first, for God only knows what would be going on subsequently. Did the priests, like in your research over the years, did they have a lot of power or did they be shown a lot of power, you know, in, in communities? And they did have a lot of power. There is, there is no doubt about it that they, they did have an awful lot of power, I suppose, really, you know. But you know, only in certain ways, though. I mean, so long as... If, 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 if people disagree with them... For instance, like, you know, that take pre-famine Tipperary now. A, a, a particularly topic I'm interested in is crime in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a massive amount of crime in pre-famine Tipperary. And, I mean, priests were condemned from the altar. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, that didn't stop murders and mm-hmm. beatings and mayhem because, of course, they were basically about land. Okay. And, you know, the, 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 sort of, the attitude probably was that the priest should be on the altar. That's fine. Uh, talk about morality. But, like... He has no business telling us about like protecting our right to land and things like that. I presume, I presume, uh, Danny, that some of those books that you published all those years ago they're out of print today. They are, unfortunately. I mean, and and uh, sometimes, in fact, there's that Monsignor and Kildare and portrait of a parish 
and that famine one, I see them actually on eBay or some of those at an enormous prices or looking for them. And my wife Mary sometimes says to me, it's an awful pity you didn't keep a dozen copies and we could <laughs> we could have a foreign holiday every year for a few years on them. No, they're, they're, they're out of print. And sometimes people say, would you not actually uh, get them reprinted? But uh, I don't know, you, you, you move on. Yeah. You move on and you you know, you have a topic done and you have it completed and uh, do you want to revisit it again or do you want to do something new? Yeah, yeah. And of course, as we mentioned earlier, the Nina Gardian has, has kind of published a lot of your material over the years. Well, yeah, well, the, the Nina Gardian actually the responsible for the printing of the mm-hmm. Portrait of a Parish and also the Great Famine one and did a great job. But of course, it was the Nina Gardian, this glimpses of the past, it was they suggested actually publishing it in book forum and they bore the expenses and, and they're, yeah. they're, they're the actual publishers and I'm, I'm very grateful actually because I wouldn't have actually even thought of turning the articles or a selection of the articles into book forum without the encouragement of the Nina Gergen yeah, yeah. but it's like everything it's all about encouragement it is actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, like people give you the encouragement to drive on, and uh, yeah, to make him like a hurling team. You know, yeah. If you don't have encouragement on the sideline and motivation, that's right. Yeah, you probably won't get. Well, they got an awful lot of help now, also with the the, the Nina Gergen one, uh, yeah, with the teams yeah. of the past. I mean, uh, I have to mention Simon O'Duffy because uh, Simon actually was, was great. You know, he not only wrote uh, wrote the acknowledgement, or sorry, the yeah, the uh, foreword, yeah. but in fact, you know, he was most helpful in in, in the whole thing of get me to put it together and so forth you're involved as well in the historical journal the very historical journal yeah i am actually i i'm the chairman of the Tipperary historical society to do the journal and uh, since i retired i had articles in it previously but i have an article in it literally every year now since I, i've retired for the last 10 years yeah you always find it difficult to pick a subject um funny enough uh talking about picking subjects the 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 Gershwin articles for which the basic things of the past are nearly more difficult in one sense mm-hmm. because when you're doing a, an article to your historical journal you maybe have 10 15 20 pages in which to expand it mm-hmm. but in fact you you know with a, a Gershwin article 1500 words is the maximum mm-hmm. because it has to fit in the page Okay. <laughs> it's like it's like you in, in your in your program i mean you yeah. know you have an hour whatever you have yeah. and and that's it and and it's the same there. I mean, there's no use sending in to the Guardian an article of uh, two thousand five hundred words because so, they're, they're not. I mean, it is a commercial enterprise at yeah, the end yeah. of the day, and they're not going to spread it over two pages. Yeah. And the other side of it is, they're not going to give anyone two days to edit it and sort it all out for you. Oh no! Well, yeah, it, it doesn't demand a lot of that, but I mean, you know, because you always want to have photographs in it as well, and that's only right, you know. Absolutely. I'm, I'm with Danny Grace here in his kitchen in Pocon, Kiladangan. We're back with the final part of Down Your Way, just after these. Indeed, you're very welcome back to the final part of uh, Down Your Way. You know, it's absolutely brilliant to be with uh, here in uh, North of Prairie in Kiladangan, uh, the father of local history. How do you like that description? Oh, God, I don't know whether to be ashamed or be flattered or what. I mean, I've been called many things, some good and some bad, but I don't yeah. think the father of local history is hardly... No, it's, it's, not, it's not something that I, I, I would actually uh, apportion to myself at all. What is your... If I was to t- talk about a father of local history in this area of Tipperary, the man I mentioned already, Dermot Leeson, mm-hmm. he was really the father of local history. Yeah. What was your most enjoyable moment within your own parish community, we call it down my own place, 
What's the what's your best finding? What's the one that intrigued you most? No, everything they're they're all different in their own way. I got I got great. Uh, it's hard work. Uh, the um, the Kildagan uh, GA history, mm-hmm. but I mean I, I got great pleasure out of researching that mm. because the reality was I knew most of the people yeah. that I, I, I'm going to be writing about. Yeah. You know, would you find that difficult that when you come across some of the lads up the road or down the road that you have to kind of write positive stuff rather than maybe negative stuff? Yeah, you you well, I think you you get it slightly hardened when you're when you're writing history for a while too. Yeah. You know, yeah. and um, yeah, you 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 well, the thing is that you listen to everybody. I mean, and. Uh, you probably ignore half what you hear yeah. and take a certain amount of grain of salt. You have to because I mean yeah. you know that not everything you hear is is necessarily the gospel truth. And and as I said actually in the introduction to the the um, Kildangan history as well is that if some of the stories I was told I was to reproduce them, I'd be up for libel. <laughs> But do you know the night of the launch of the book or any of your books? Yeah. You know, it's a very positive night and there's a big crowd, the hall is full and everyone had the book clutched to their hand going home. Yeah. yeah it, must be, it must be a good feeling about it. It is a great feeling. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the three actually, I would say now, I got great enjoyment certainly at the launch of the, the original parish history, Portrait of a Parish. That was launched by uh, Bishop Willie Walsh. Mm-hmm. An enormous crowd and that was in, in the, uh, what was the, the hotel in Drummondier at the particular time mm-hmm. and um, that was a great night the uh, other one then the, the um, famine one the, mm-hmm. there was a, an enormous crowd at that as well and of course naturally enough the, the yeah. GA history there was a big crowd at the launch of that as one would expect yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the launch of this was more low key by the way because glimpses of the past because of course it happened during Covid absolutely yeah and that is a fantastic book, the glimpses of it. They're all fantastic, but this in particular, because they're lovely short stories. Yeah. And relating to the community and relating to the area. Yeah, well, well, that, that's, that, that's uh, sort of the one thing. That is, it actually, again, just on that, in some ways, it's more difficult to write those articles, as I say, because of, number one, of Lent, mm-hmm. and number two, you have to have a topic that's sort of self-contained mm-hmm. and that's not too long and that can fit into 1,500 words. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And that's that's a sort of a, a difficult thing to do at times as well. You'd love to actually expand more and you might have far more information than you could possibly. But it's, it's, a, good, it's a good training, though, to, to actually be able to compress and, and, you know, to get to the essentials of a story. Yeah, you have enjoyed, of course, all your writings. What's what's coming up in, in the near future, or in the next uh, 12 months? Uh, I have an article done on a murder, the murder, a double murder at Fenu, Boris Akean, uh, the water murders, uh, very, very celebrated murders. That's a, a pretty long one, and that'll be for the Prairie Historical Journal. Okay. So uh, I'll continue on. Don't ask me what's the next one in the glimpses of the past. I had one in last week's Gergen, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I haven't anything in the pipeline right at the moment. But something will come to me, something pretty handy. <clears throat> you know the one that you're talking about in Boris Kane, the murders yeah. and all of that? That could be. That would be difficult because you would have to take a side or, or a balanced side on, on, on what goes on or, or what went on. Yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of information on that now, but that, that would be, as you know, like outrage reports in the National Archives. So yeah. that, that would demand 
uh, quite an amount of research and that would have to be footnoted mm-hmm. and everything. It's not just uh, sort of telling, just telling the story. We have yeah, to do yeah. a certain amount of analysis as well. Yeah, you probably go into local studies and temporary history. I do. I use, I, I use local, local studies in Turles is, is, is brilliant, to be honest, because mm-hmm. uh, when I started off all this, you know, say for instance, I could look at newspaper. Mm. Uh, there was, apart from the Guardian, you could go into the Guardian okay, but say for instance, like the other ones, like the Prairie Vindicator and all these, you had to go uh, to the National Library in Dublin mm-hmm. to see any of these. Mm-hmm. Now they're all available, they're either available online or they're available in Turles, and there's yeah. quite an amount of stuff. So mm-hmm. the local studies in Turles is absolutely brilliant now. Mary Gain and Darmody is hugely helpful. Oh, Mary is, Mary, I used the word brilliant again. Mary, Mary, Mary is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, would you go to Dublin then as well now and again to research? Oh, I would, I would. Actually, I was in Dublin about about a fortnight ago there uh, to check up some stuff on that Walla Murder one Mm -hmm. uh, in the National Library, National Archives as well, because, Mm -hmm. of course, that's where you'd have an awful lot of stuff relevant to crime, particularly to prevent and crime there. People have no idea the research that goes into writing a book, even a local book. Oh yeah, yeah. They, 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 they don't really, no. they don't know, an yeah. enormous amount of research goes in, yeah. but of course the thing about it is the research is the pleasant part of it all, yeah. okay. you know, you're, you're making new discoveries, uh, you're yeah. coming across things that you vaguely knew or didn't know at all, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the hard work then is actually getting down, finding a format, uh, finding a pattern and doing the writing, and, and writing know. doesn't come that easy, you know. You have a fantastic library here, yourself. I have, yeah, yeah, but I from, mean, from, most, from floor to ceiling. Yeah, but most, most, most of the ones there are best-selling authors over there, though. <laughs> so I should be, Mary always, my wife often says, you should be writing fiction. She says, there's more money in the fiction. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Which are the lot of things. But look, at, uh, a part of your life, of course, is in the school as well. Most of your life was, was teaching, but yeah. now you're a part of the board of management of the local school. Yeah. Now, how does that work into writing books and stuff or is that just a bit of a hobby at this stage which the uh, oh, being on the board of management well, 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 well oh, it's not a hobby because it's, you know you have to take it seriously yeah. so it's, it's, it's not a hobby but uh, no no uh, no I, I, I'm delighted actually because I mean as I said I'm in a school in Pecan um, so it's nice to be able to put something back into the mm-hmm. into the school that you you know had I should should say should I say had we a happy day? We had happy days there, you know. We were mm-hmm. we were quite we were quite happy, I suppose, going to school really yeah. in in our young days. I know some people would have different ideas on that, like you know, but Yeah, we probably would. But that was the times, really. That was the times, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean th- that's one thing I suppose you 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 learn from history and studying history as well. You can't be judging things that happened in the past, like, mm-hmm. you know, by today. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you could be horrified, for instance, that some, like, for instance, one thing that I was writing about there was that the last woman hanged in Tipperary, mm-hmm. uh, who was uh, Margaret Gunning from Templemore, who was mm-hmm. accused of a murder, although it's just doubtful whether, in fact, she was involved that much mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. But she was hanged in 1832. Mm-hmm. Now, but the amazing thing, not the amazing thing, but the, the thing about it was there were thousands of people there watching her being hanged mm-hmm. outside Clonmel Jail. You know, I mean, now we'd be horrified today at that. Well, but that was the time. And, and then, of course, you had Harry Gleeson in 1940. Yes, I mean, this is it, you know. I mean, and uh, you, you, have to, you have to judge judge the past on its own merits as well, rather than by, by, by our standards. It was cruel in those days, wasn't it, you know, for, for families and to have to overcome those occasions, you know, in their life. They, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that that one was fresh in my mind now because I actually was doing something well that that Margaret Gunning one just on that. Um, I think actually um, T- um, Tip FM did a program on or based on what I'd written on that as oh, well. Did there, some did yeah. Oh, they be up to the lightings down there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The But I mean, she was yeah. a, she no she 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 yeah. she was a married woman. She was the mother of four children. She was leaving four orphan children. Mm-hmm. And I thought the sort of sad, pathetic thing was that in the last weeks before she was hanged, she had a young child that had been born the previous October. She was hanged in June. Oh they, they, they were, the child was allowed to be brought into her for a number of weeks and it was removed in about a week before she was actually taken out and hanged in the scaffold. Oh my God! It's you, not a story. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, lot of shocking stories, I suppose. Absolutely. You would think of it. Oh, it was. I mean, as I said about about her now. I mean, looking at reading the, the entire court cases, mm-hmm. you'd wonder how she actually was condemned. Yeah. She may have been involved, but in a peripheral way. She yeah. certainly, she certainly wasn't the one that beat my man over the head with, with, with a stick, which actually mm-hmm. is supposed to be the way he was murdered, mm-hmm. you know. So, but now, no, there's no way she, would she be condemned to death now, I think. Absolutely. Uh, I know we're coming to the end of, of the programme, and indeed, you've enjoyed all the, the stories and the folklore of researching and looking after... People, what they want. People out there are looking for this stuff all the time, aren't they? They are, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a great audience for local history, like you know. Mm-hmm. And as I said, um, I suppose you know one thing I've always sort of believed in. I have a book there among, among all those. It's written by two Australian historians there, and it is um, how to write history that people want to read. Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting one, you know. It should be interesting. It's a very interesting book. I mean, mm-hmm. how to write history how, what, that people want to read. Mm-hmm. In other words, that you have to be thinking almost like a novelist in this. Now, I'm not posting that. I have those uh, attributes. I haven't really, but at the same time, she be striving actually to make herself understood and, and, and to try and bring aliveness to, to however you write as well. Absolutely. Well, look, at, uh, we're, we're, we're tidy in time, as I say. It's a real pleasure, Danny, to be up here in your kitchen. Really is, and I hope people enjoy the show. It's absolutely fantastic to be part of it. Thank you very much. I I enjoyed talking to you. So that's our programme for this week. My thanks to all our guests on this week's programme. Don't forget, we'll be back with another edition of Down Your Way at the same time next week. From all of us on the programme, have a very good week. Bye-bye.